Welcome everyone to Creating a Family, talk about infertility. I'm Dawn Davenport. I am the host of the show as well as the director of the nonprofit creatingafamily.org. Today, we're going to be talking about the benefits of acupuncture and Eastern medicine for infertility and infertility patients. We'll be talking with Dr. Mike Berkeley. He is a New York State licensed acupuncturist and board certified in acupuncture and herbal medicine by the National Certification Commission for Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine. He is also a member of the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Berkeley, to Creating a Family. We're so happy to talk with you today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So what are the basic principles of acupuncture? In other words, how does it work? Yeah, so let's see where to start. So the main objective in my practice is to improve egg quality or sperm quality. And what acupuncture does is it hyperstimulates blood flow to the ovaries and the testes. Why is this important? Because blood is nothing other than a taxi cab. Blood picks up FSH and LH from the brain. It picks up nutrient products uh, and electrolytes from your food uh, and oxygen from your inhalation. And the blood distributes all of those components through every area of the body including the testes and the ovaries. Like a taxi cab, when the passengers are let off, what are the passengers? FSH, LH, uh, oxygen, nutrients, electrolytes. When the passengers are dropped off, the cab wants to return with another passenger. Just don't, doesn't want to come back to the, from the airport empty. So the blood picks up dead cells from the testes and the ovaries. These cells are known as debris. And they get rid of the cells or they help to uh, eradicate the cells. We have four ways of, of eliminating uh, toxins uh, from the body, which are sweat, uh, exhalation, urination, defecation. So the uh, acupuncture helps promote blood flow, which carries good things to the testes and the ovaries and takes away bad things from the testes and the ovaries. Now, there's a couple of add-ons to this. First of all, when you deliver more of the good and excrete more of the bad, there's a presumption, which is often proved out clinically, that one will get better egg quality and or better sperm quality and sometimes better endometrial lining quality, if that's an issue. Uh, now, I will be the advocate for whoever is out there thinking the following thought. Well, I have a beating heart in my chest. And the function and purpose of the heart is to distribute blood throughout my body. Why should I use acupuncture when it's, when it's the redundancy, in a sense? It's doing the same thing my heart is doing. So that's a good question. And here's the answer. Uh, do you exercise? Oh, yes, I do. Oh, that's great. So how often do you exercise? Oh, I exercise once a week. Oh, that's great. Just a second. Uh, how about you over there? Do you exercise? Oh, yes, I do. How many times a week do you exercise? Oh, I exercise six times a week. So the person who exercises six times a week gets a better benefit all around uh, than the person who exercises one day a week. So even though the heart is beating, that's kind of like exercising one day a week. When you're getting acupuncture twice a week consistently, that's like exercising five or six days a week. It's improving hemodynamics. It's improving the delivery of the blood. 
uh, trophically, which is very important. The heart stimulates blood flow throughout the entire body. When you do acupuncture, it is a trophic delivery of blood. So we're not just hyperstimulating blood flow all over the body. We're hyperstimulating blood flow only to two or three areas, which are the testes, the ovaries, and or the lining. So how does it work? Now, I understand that acupuncture involves the insertion of needles, but how does the insertion of needles increase blood flow? And secondly, how does it increase blood flow to the ovaries and the testes, since that's directly where you're wanting the blood flow to be increased? Got it. Good, 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 good questions. So the answer is... um, not so straightforward. I'm going to say two things. I'm going to say I'm not exactly sure how it works, but I'm going to tell you that it works, and I'm going to prove it to you. So there's something called uterine artery index, and this index can be obtained with a transvaginal ultrasound utilizing a colored Doppler. And the higher the uterine artery impedance index is, the less amount of blood is going to the ovaries uh, or the endometrial lining of the uterus. So what happens is this, here's the proof, that when you do a transvaginal ultrasound with a color Doppler without acupuncture, uh, one will see the tiniest little presentation of the color red, which obviously indicates blood, a blood flow in the lining. And well, what feeds the lining? The uterine artery, but the uterine artery also branches out at the distal ends and feeds the ovaries. So when you do acupuncture on a patient and then subsequently do a TVU with a color Doppler, uh, you'll see a much greater amount of proliferation of blood flow in the uterus. And so that indicates that through some mechanism of action, which is beyond my scope and beyond everybody's scope, there seems to be some type of uh, dilation of the uterine artery, which causes, therefore, a greater throughput and a greater flow through, if you will, of, of blood. And so I can't tell you how it happens, but I can tell you that what I just stated does, in fact, happen. And so uh, that's a very interesting idea and concept. Mm-hmm. And now, so acupuncture is totally trophic based. In other words, if somebody has a headache, that's a temporal headache on the left side of their head, you, you know, you're going to use certain acupuncture needles that affect meridians that go to that region. If you're going to treat somebody with lateral epicondylitis because they're playing tennis all the time and their elbow is killing them. If you put needles at the elbow and at the hand and at the shoulder, you're treating locally, distally, and adjacently, this will send blood flow to the elbow. So in other words, when you go to acupuncture school, you learn these points protocols, which will determine how to effectively reach certain areas of the body. There are literally a thousand acupuncture points uh, on the body. And of course, I don't use all 1000 points, 
but these points are used in combination. You know, you use these three points to reach this area and these two points to reach another area. So there are point protocols or point prescriptions that one can use to reach certain areas of the body. Okay. So how does acupuncture differ from Eastern medicine or herbal medicine? So Eastern medicine is an umbrella term that takes into consideration uh, all forms of medicine that were born in the East, two of which are still extant to this day. Those two are traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, which is from India. Ayurvedic medicine has a 10,000-year-old history, and traditional Chinese medicine or Chinese medicine has about a 3,000-year-old history. We don't use the term Eastern medicine. We say Chinese medicine because it's very specifically Chinese medicine that we're doing. And Chinese medicine is comprised of two major components. These are acupuncture and herbal medicine. And herbal medicine is much more difficult to learn. Uh, It'll take somebody, you know, 15 years to become a good herbalist. It could take somebody five years to, to become a decent acupuncturist. Acupuncture works from the outside in. Herbs work from the inside out. Let me give you a nice example. If Nancy happens to have a splitting headache and she says to her husband, Robert, Robert, could you please massage my neck and my shoulders and my head because I have a splitting headache? And Robert says, of course, Nancy, I'd be happy to. And Robert gives Nancy a massage. Over a period of time, her headache will diminish. If not completely, uh, she'll recover from it, you know, at the best case or get better to some extent, the worst case. But if Nancy were to take three Advil first and then tell Robert to give her a massage, her headache would be eliminated much faster. And so that's why it's better to use Advil and massage as opposed to just using massage or even just using Advil. So acupuncture and herbal medicine work in a similar fashion. Acupuncture, as I say, is used from the outside in. Acupuncture has a quality of moving something. It moves blood. It stimulates blood flow. It improves and increases hemodynamics. Herbal medicine does that as well, but herbal medicine is also very supplementing, and herbal medicine can also be draining. And I'll give you an example of the difference between supplementing and draining in a minute. The best case scenario is to use both acupuncture and herbal medicine. So what's what's draining? So I'm going to speak strictly now from a, uh, a traditional Chinese medicine perspective, and I'll try to, to stay within the, uh, you know, the, the realm of, of, of being understood. So if you have a polycystic ovarian syndrome patient, or for that matter, any patient that's, that's morbidly obese, that patient you know, can change their diet, improve their exercise, or maybe take metformin. But this is what you call in Chinese medicine an excess condition. Why is it excess? Because she has too much fat. So acupuncture is not going to help that woman to lose weight, but herbs will. So herbs can uh, reduce that which is in excess and support that which is deficient. So what could be deficient in, in a woman? her egg quality may be deficient. Let me give you a beautiful example. A woman is doing an in vitro fertilization and she has a nice looking blastocyst and it is tested by a pre-implantation genetic testing 
and it's found to have chromosomal, let me restate, she does PGT and it's chromosomally normal. It's a perfectly good embryo. And this woman has no confounding issues that will, uh, that will negate her ability to conceive. They transfer the embryo and guess what happens? She doesn't get pregnant. Now, why not? Now, there are two things to say about why not. Number one is who knows? And number two is maybe it's a bad embryo. But wait a minute. You just said it's a chromosomally normal embryo. Yes, I did. But just because an embryo is chromosomally normal doesn't mean that it's a good embryo. You know, you can have a patient that's HIV positive and can be in the gym every day and can bench press 500 pounds. So just because you're HIV positive doesn't mean in other ways you can't be totally healthy. So just because you have a chromosomally normal embryo doesn't mean it's a good embryo. So the herbs are going to support that, which is deficient, which in English is to say to try to nourish and benefit the embryo itself, which can be done much more efficaciously than that which would occur solely through the use of acupuncture. Okay, I'm a little confused. Let me let me ask it again. Uh, so me too. It's okay. Well, first of all, let me ask: Can acupuncture and or herbal medicine be used in conjunction with Western infertility treatment and IVF? So the answer is absolutely. However, most reproductive endocrinologists will not want their patients to take herbs when the patients are taking gonadotropins because the reproductive doctors seem to suspect that herbal medicine might either, you know, attenuate or increase the effect of the gonadotropes. This is totally not true. I've had, I'm friends with several reproductive endocrinologists who say to the patients, well, if Mike Berkeley wants to give you the herbs, take the herbs. We find nothing wrong with it. But in any event, the answer to your question is it is totally safe to take herbs with gonadotropins but your reproductive endocrinologist will not want you to do it. Well, and we would recommend that if you're spending the money for infertility treatment, you will listen to your reproductive endocrinologist. All right. So my question that, that where I was getting confused, you were talked about the case of a failure to uh, what looks like a chromosomally normal embryo failing to implant. How does acupuncture improve the quality of the embryo when the embryo is not connected to the bloodstream of the, of the woman at that point. Yes. Got it. So uh, acupuncture will not help. Uh, <laughs> it will not help an embryo. It, it, the purpose of acupuncture herbs is to improve the egg quality and the sperm quality so then, therefore, one will have a greater chance of getting a good embryo. So how do you determine what a good embryo is? There's only one determinant, and that determinant is a live birth. So you can test an embryo for chromosomal abnormalities, and the embryo will be euploidic, meaning chromosomally normal, and it still won't work. So probably what that means is the egg quality and the sperm quality were still not good enough to make an embryo that is adequate enough, healthy enough to yield an ongoing pregnancy or a pregnancy at all.
Um, so I think what I'm trying to say is just because you have a euploidic embryo, a chromosomally normal embryo, doesn't necessarily mean that it is a good embryo. And the way to improve embryo quality is to reverse engineer it. You don't treat the embryo. That's already the horse out of the barn. You treat the egg and the sperm so that you will have a greater chance of obtaining or getting or developing a healthier embryo. Okay, that makes sense. Let me pause here for just a moment to ask a favor of you. Any of the podcasting apps refer people to podcasts based on the number of reviews and the number of star ratings. You could do us a huge favor by going to ratethispodcast.com slash creating a family and leave us a rating and a review. That would help us. It would also help others who are struggling with infertility. And that website is the easiest way we have found to that you can put in a review and it goes to all the podcasting apps. So thank you so much in advance. That is ratethispodcast.com slash creating a family. Is and, and I know that having discuss, having talked with other acupuncturists and traditional Chinese medicine doctors, that this is sometimes a question that that is frustrating to them. But having been raised in the Western medical approach and Western research approach, I can't help but ask this question. And is there Western research research that follows the Western? approach and style of of understanding science that supports the benefit of either acupuncture or traditional Chinese medicine for the treatment of infertility? So there's not that much research done um, on herbal medicine. And I won't get into it too deeply because that's not what this presentation is about, but I'll just briefly touch on it. You know, you have to get the exact amount of herbs and they have to be made in the exact, it has to be uniformity. If you're testing aspirin and aspirin is an aspirin, herbs can vary a little bit, the quantity and the, and the, and the quality, how old are the herbs, where they come from. So it's very difficult to do a study on herbs. However, there have been multitudinous Western medical studies on acupuncture uh, showing the efficacy and the benefit of acupuncture in the context of fertility enhancement. I have plenty of these uh, research papers on my website. If somebody, if anybody goes to my website, there's the link that uh, says research, and there's a bunch of research there. The other thing anybody can do is go to Google and just type in scholarly articles, acupuncture, infertility. And all these scholarly articles, in other words, really well-researched, documented articles will pop up. So there's plenty of uh, research done at this point, has been done, is continuing to be done on acupuncture, much less so on herbs. All right. You had mentioned PCOS, and we certainly know that PCOS is a common diagnosis for women struggling to get pregnant. What is the result of any of the research that's been done on acupuncture how it used to treat PCOS? So I don't have an answer for you. I don't have the, the research documents in front of me, but, but I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll, I'll just, may, may I answer just some experience? Yes. So the problem with PCOS is, first of all, PCOS, well, I guess I don't have to give a lesson on PCOS because you're 
the listeners already know about it. But, but let's put it this way. Uh, PCOS patients have twice the chance of miscarrying as the non-PCOS population. Why is that? It is because the egg quality of the PCOS patient is not good. Why is that? Because these PCOS patients have eggs that are just sitting there and becoming cysts. They're not ovulated. And the other thing is, so those are not even going to ever be, they're not ever going to become legitimate full-sized eggs or, or eggs that can be utilized. And so the other problem, why, why is the egg quality itself, when, when, the, when you do a retrieval on a PCOS patient, why is the egg quality not so good? Because the PCOS patient has more testosterone in the follicles than they should have. And testosterone at a higher level is going to serve as an anti-estrogen. And even though the uh, follicles secrete estrogen, estrogen also is something that nourishes the egg in the follicle. So if you have too much testosterone, it actually serves as an anti-estrogen, and this negatively uh, affects the egg quality. So now when you do herbal medicine, well, let's start with acupuncture. When you do acupuncture on a PCOS patient, you're uh, highly uh, stimulating blood flow, highly improving hemodynamics to the ovaries, sending in all the blood carrying, the oxygen, the nutrients, the hormones, the electrolytes, everything, removing debris. When you use herbal medicine, herbal medicine has a balance. You listen, everybody has heard the term yin and yang. What does it mean? It means homeostasis. It means balance. So herbs are very good at trying to achieve homeostasis. Of course, homeostasis is impossible to achieve, but certainly one wants to get as close as possible to homeostasis. So when one is using herbal medicine, what we find is that the egg quality gets better. And the, the, the presupposition, I suppose, is that what's happening is, is herbs are balancing. And so perhaps they're either reducing the amount of testosterone in the follicular milieu, or they're increasing the amount of estrogen in the follicular milieu. But whatever the, the mechanism of action it is, uh, we see that PCOS patients do well under with acupuncture and herbal medicine. And what does do well mean? It means give birth, uh, not necessarily get pregnant. Um, pregnancy is not our end goal. It's, it's a live birth. So again, I think it's all about regulating the internal environment of the follicle. Okay. Now, how does acupuncture impact endometriosis? Well, let me ask acupuncture or herbal medicine. I'll, I'll ask for both. So number one, anytime a patient comes in and she says, I have endometriosis, there's an assumption that that patient has either had an ultrasound that has indicated an endometrioma. If an endometrioma was not seen, but she says she has endometriosis, perhaps she's had a laparoscopy or she's had an MRI of the pelvis or perhaps even a hysterosalpingogram showing scarring or tubal obliteration. And so this patient has had a laparoscopy and she's 30 years old. So this is not an advanced maternal age case in conjunction with endometriosis. It is the young woman who has endometriosis. Her tubes are totally fine. There's no male factor. There's no endometriosis on the ovaries. There's not an endometrioma in sight but she has endometriosis and she had a laparoscopy 
And now the endometriosis has been eradicated and she still cannot get pregnant. Why not? So here's the why not. Because when a surgeon is utilizing a, a, a laparoscope and doing a laparoscopic intervention to resect endometriosis, they are looking for tissue that is discolored. It can be a black tissue, it can be purplish, what's called powder burn. There's various different colors of endometriosis. Of course, there can be adhesion seen. Uh, so endometriosis a tissue or endometriotic tissue is very easily observable. However, what's very fascinating about endometriosis is some endometriotic tissue looks exactly like normal tissue. So when the surgeon is in the pelvis, or even above the pelvis, because uh, you, know, you can have endometriosis in the diaphragm and in the nose, and, but let's just, let's just reserve, the, let's just talk about the pelvic environment. When the, when the doctor's in the, end, in the uh, pelvis and he or she is resecting the endometriosis and they stitch the patient up and they send the patient home, very, very frequently, probably more often than not, that patient still has endometriosis. She has had most of the endometriosis taken out, but she's totally healthy in every other way. And so is the husband, but they still can't get pregnant. So my idea, my belief system says she still has endometriosis. And so why is that preventing her from getting pregnant? It's preventing her from getting pregnant for the very same reason that she wasn't getting pregnant beforehand which is this reason, this cause. When a patient has endometriosis, it is a disease that is outside of the uterus. However, it actually and always affects the uterine cavity. So how does acupuncture and herbal medicine change that? Yeah, we're going to get there. So I don't mean to be long-winded. I just want to kind of really That's draw fine. a no, no. picture. That's okay, good. So what happens is, the woman had the laparoscopy. She still can't get pregnant. So what's going on? Patient says to me, Mike, why? What's going on? I can't get pregnant. I had the laparoscopy. Everything is good. So endometriotic tissue will leak, L-E-A-K, will leak pro-inflammatory cytokines. These are inflammatory cytokines, inflammatory components. They will leak inflammatory components and they will go into the uterus. And this causes inflammation in the uterus. This causes a hostile environment for an embryo to try to uh, implant and develop in. And now to your question. So herbal medicine, more than acupuncture, but certainly acupuncture, but let's talk about herbs. There are herbs that do different things. You must think of herbal medicine as regular medicine. There's regular Western medicine to treat headaches, and there's regular Western medicine to treat pancreatic cancer. So herbal medicine is like that. There's different herbs that do different things. There are a, a body of herbs, a type of herbs that have strong anti-inflammatory properties. So when you prescribe this endometriosis patient who's already had a laparoscopy, but who cannot get pregnant, you prescribe herbs that have uh, anti-inflammatory properties to this woman, uh, very often her uterus 
is rendered uh, normal, at least for a temporary period of time in which the embryo can implant. And once it implants, then other things happen. And usually uh, a miscarriage will not occur unless it occurs for another reason. But to answer your question in a nutshell, it's about reducing inflammation in the uterus. Gotcha. And, and that is by increasing, at least through the acupuncture route, by increasing blood flow to the uterus. Is that correct? Well, I, I listen, I'm not a big fan of acupuncture for endometriosis and conception. I don't think acupuncture does much. Now, look, if a person has severe pelvic pain from, from endometriosis, I guarantee you, listen, 100% guarantee that acupuncture will reduce the pain by 20 to 50%. That's a pain issue, but not a fertility issue. With a fertility issue, to me, it's a straight up herbal medicine case. Gotcha, because herbal medicine is more effective at reducing inflammation, whereas acupuncture in this case can control, it can help with the curl of the the pain. Interesting. That's right, absolutely. All right. One of the most common reasons for female infertility, particularly now in this day and age, is advanced maternal age. So how do acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine and herbal medicine impact the diminution of ovarian reserves and egg quality associated with age? Yep. Another terrific question. You're you're spot on with all of these questions. I guess you have a little experience in this field, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just a bit. Just a little bit, right. So, okay, the first thing I want to say is acupuncture and herbal medicine cannot ever under any circumstances give a woman more eggs. A woman is born with all the eggs she's ever going to have, and the typical healthy female loses 1,001 eggs a month, 1,000 become atretic and disappear, they die, and one is ovulated. So you can't give a woman any more eggs. However, let's take somebody who is 40 years old and wants to run in the marathon and let's take somebody who's 19 years old and wants to run in the marathon. Can the, can a 40 year old do it? Can a 60 year old do it? Yes. All they have to do is exercise and work out. They can improve their cardio. They can improve their muscularity. They can do fine. What if you had bad hearing? Well, you can get a hearing aid. What if you had bad eyes? Well, you can get, you know, eyeglasses. What if you have a coronary artery blockage? Well, you can have, uh, you can fix the coronary artery. So everything in the body can be improved, even the eggs of a 40-year-old woman. And the way this works is I'm going to kind of fall back on my previous explanation by doing acupuncture and herbs, acupuncture first, you're hyper-stimulating all this blood flow, you're delivering uh, more amounts of FSH or the proper amounts of FSH. Listen, if the blood circulation is not great, and it's certainly not as good in the 40-year-old as it is in the 35-year-old, and it's not as good in the 35-year-old as it is in the 16-year-old. My father, who's now passed, but I used to come to his apartment in July, and he was 90 years old. He'd be wearing a, a, a tweed jacket. And I said, Dad, you're making me hot just looking at you. And he'd say, Mike, I'm freezing. It'd be 90 degrees, and he'd have a tweed jacket. And why is that? Because a 90-year-old man has minimal circulation. So as we grow older, our circulation diminishes. So treating the 40-year-old patient is the perfect patient for acupuncture because she's trying to do IVF. Or, or not, but let's just say she's trying to do IVF to get pregnant, and she keeps failing because she has lousy egg quality. So if you, if you improve the delivery of these good things and improve the excretion of the bad things, you're going to create an environment in 
the follicle, which is a healthier environment. And therefore, and thereby, you stand a chance of getting a better quality egg on the next retrieval. Okay. So it's not, it's not increasing her eggs, but, but you're increasing the general overall health of the ovarian cavity, everything in there. That, That's and thus, correct. gotcha. Something that I, I think that, well, I shouldn't say I think it's well known. I have certainly always heard that acupuncture is very effective for reducing stress. And though we, we know that infertility is not caused by stress, we do know that stress impacts on some level a, a woman's fertility. So let's talk about the reduction of stress that can be found through acupuncture, as well as herbal medicine. I'm, I'm very sensitive to this issue, and, and, and you'll understand why in a second. Number one, it is my humble opinion that stress has nothing to do with infertility, and I can prove it. I will, I will prove it to you in, in 30 seconds. It has nothing to do with infertility whatsoever, which is essentially what you said. And, and I think you went on to say that, you know, if you're suffering with infertility, you're going to be stressed, which I completely agree with. There are many tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of women and men that think, oh, you know, my wife is so stressed. Uh, that's why she's not getting pregnant. That's completely nonsense. And here's the proof. Here's the proof. The proof is that if you watch the news, and you see any, any news story on a war zone, if you look at back in Vietnam or Iraq or uh, Syria, any place where there's war, where there was war, where there is war, what do you always see? You always see a little crying three-year-old naked sitting in the corner of the street. And then you see other kids running down the street, running around all over the place. And you see pregnant women running around while the bombs are coming down. So I don't believe that stress has any effect on fertility. I will tell you that stress does have an effect on male factor issues, but I don't believe it has any effect on female factor issues. Now, to answer your question, which is talk about acupuncture insofar as how it relates to stress, I will never treat a patient for stress. If a patient calls me on the phone and says, listen, I want to come in and get acupuncture for stress reduction, what I say to the patient is, why would you want to get on the table half naked in front of a man that you don't even know and have me stick 15 needles in you so you can relax? Why not just go and get a massage? Why not go to Bloomingdale's or Saks Fifth Avenue and go shopping and buy a new bag? I mean, there's nothing better than shopping therapy. There's nothing better than having a good glass of wine or a great meal or make love or go out running. I do not recommend acupuncture for stress. Now, when I have a patient that comes in who I'm treating and the patient says to me, oh, my God, I had a horrible day. I'm really stressed. Of course, I'm going to treat the patient to reduce her stress because I want my patient to feel good. But I'm not in the business of stress reduction. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. And, and some, from your standpoint, you're saying that exercise or yoga or massage or meditation or prayer, any of those are uh, equally, if not more effective for stress reduction than would be acupuncture. Did I hear you correctly? That's true, but you, that's true, but you left out two important points. Okay. Don't what? forget a good glass of wine and don't forget uh, shopping therapy. <laughs> well, I would just say that shopping is uh, stressful for many people. <laughs> so okay. whether or not... 
I think that may be a gender stereotype, and it certainly doesn't apply. I to happen all of to. Us. I'm a guy, and I love to shop. So yeah, there you go. Oh, I'm a a woman and don't. So <laughs> for me, it's uh, it's uh, that is not a uh, that is not a, a stress reduction for me in the least. But to each their own. Yeah. This show, as well as all the resources provided by creatingafamily.org, would not happen without the support of our partners. And our partners are organizations that believe in our mission of providing unbiased, medically accurate information to infertility patients. One such partner is Cooper Surgical Fertility and Genomic Solutions. They are global leaders in IVF and reproductive genetics. Cooper Genomics offers PGTA, PGTM, PGTSR, as well as ERP, endometrial receptivity testing, for those who are pursuing IVF. The ERP test offers accurate and reliable detection of the receptivity status of the woman's endometrium. Thank you, Cooper Genomics. So many men, women, well, couples don't ever get a firm diagnosis of why they're not getting pregnant. And it's, it's, I honestly think it's probably the hardest, hardest thing to face in unexplained infertility because you don't have, you have nothing to coalesce your thoughts and your, and you don't have a diagnosis. You don't know. There is simply no reason why you're not. So is, so what can acupuncture or herbal medicine do for unexplained infertility? Okay. I hate to keep sounding like a broken record, but I'm, I'm just so impressed with your questions that I can't help myself. So I'm going to say it again. Uh, another great question. So I don't believe that there's any such thing as idiopathic infertility. And I'm going to explain all that right now. So first of all, I want to start by saying some of my best friends are reproductive endocrinologists, and I'm totally 1000% supportive of assisted reproductive technology. Having said that, I will tell you that Western reproductive medicine is not that great. And I know that's gonna come as a shock to millions of people, but it's, it's the truth. Let me tell you why I can prove that it's the truth. This is what happens when you have uh, an infertility evaluation. You go in, you get a day three blood work, you get a transvaginal ultrasound, and you're protocolized. You're going to take a certain amount of gonolap and menopure. We're going to start you with a, a, a estrogen patch and blah, 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 blah. We'll give you, you know, and you, you, you get this protocol and you get treated. That's it. I mean, very rarely is any digging done. If the, if the, um, if the diagnosis is not obvious, if you do a transvaginal ultrasound and she's got cystic ovaries, okay, cool. You know, she's got polycystic ovarian syndrome. So, you know, you, you treat her with, with Clomid or, or Letrozole or whatever. It's, it, you know, you, okay. The patient has severe pain and some smart doctor, because most doctors will say, oh, you know, take two aspirin and call me in the morning. But some doctor determined she has endometriosis. Okay, you got to remove the endometriosis. Beyond that, I mean, I've been doing this for 24 years. I've had thousands of patients. And it's not a matter of idiopathic. There's no such thing as idiopathy. It's a matter of reproductive endocrinologists are seeing 50 patients a day. 30 patients a day, 20 patients a day, lots of patients. You need time, energy, effort, a team to dig deep and find out what is going on with the patient. I will give you some examples momentarily. This is very, very rarely done. So it's not that it's idiopathic. It's that it's 
underdiagnosed. Now I'll give you some pertinent medical, Western medical examples of this. So this woman, I'm, when I say this woman, I mean this 10,000 women. They can't get pregnant. They're 25 years old. There's nothing wrong with them. Nothing wrong with the sperm. Everything is good. Uh, and, and she'll go on and on and on. Multiple IVFs that fail, that fail, that fail. And the doctor will say, okay, it's time to consider donor egg. Stupidest story that I could ever tell, but it's a story that I hear frequently. What is the problem with the story? Here's the problem. Have you done an endometrial receptivity array to determine if the endometrium and the uh, embryo are in sync and communicating with each other properly? No, you have not. Okay, well, let's do that. Have you done the receptiva DX test to see if your patient has undiagnosed asymptomatic endometriosis? No, you have not. Have you done a semen analysis? Yes, and the sperm is perfect. Well, did you know, Don, that 10% of men that have perfect sperm present with sperm DNA fragmentation? The higher level of fragmentation, the more difficult it is for a sperm to penetrate an egg. Very easily treatable with acupuncture and herbs, sperm DNA fragmentation. What about polycystic ovarian syndrome? Let's go back to this patient. You do a transvaginal ultrasound and nothing is there. So I guess that means she doesn't have PCOS. She doesn't have polycystic ovaries. Completely wrong. There's something called biologic PCOS, where the patient will have elevated testosterone, uh, hyperinsulinemia, and this is and, and kind of irregular periods, or maybe even regular periods. PCOS patients, there's a whole cohort of these patients that have regular periods, but they still have too much testosterone, too much insulin. That means they have a reduced amount of sex hormone binding globulin, which means testosterone is not being excreted from the body properly. This is undiagnosed because the only way that doctors diagnose PCOS is in and out with the transvaginal ultrasound. I see the sister, I don't, I don't, you don't have it. So what I put to you for your consideration is if you gave me a hundred cases that were idiopathic, I would come up with a diagnosis for 80 of those patients. I'm not myself personally, but I because I'm not a medical doctor, but I would recommend certain tests and those tests would come back positive. What about what about undiscovered activated natural killer cells? What about chronic second or third trimester miscarriages where, where the patient has undiagnosed thrombophilic problems where it's never tested? So there's multitudinous reasons for infertility and for chronic recurrent miscarriage that are never properly diagnosed. Okay. So from your standpoint, if you look hard enough, there is a cause. You just haven't found it yet. 95% of the time. Gotcha. Okay. Now, male infertility, it's depending on who you're talking to, but approximately one third of infertility is caused by male infertility. So how successful is acupuncture or herbal medicine in the treatment of male infertility? So it all depends. Let's do it this way. If a man has a genetic problem, like, for example, microdeletion of the Y chromosome, or if he has an anatomical problem, for example, congenital bilateral absence of the Bos deferens, or if he had a problem that was a sequela of treatment, for example, this man had cancer and he had radiation on his testicles, and now there's no sperm. 
acupuncture and herbal medicine cannot do anything for that man. I wouldn't touch that man with a 10-foot pole. I would say you need to use donor sperm, and that's, the, that's it. However, if a man presents with sperm problems, whether it's motility, morphology, or count, and there are no genetic problems and there are no anatomic problems, acupuncture herbs are very efficacious in improving count, motility, and morphology for the very same reason that acupuncture and, and herbs are efficacious in improving egg quality, because you're strongly improving hemodynamics to the testes, which are bringing all this nutrient product, are bringing oxygen, electrolytes, hormones, et cetera, et cetera, to the testes and taking debris out of the testes. And finally, and, and interestingly, I treat these men with a lot of stress reduction points because stress has been shown decisively to reduce sperm quantity. And so I will treat them for stress, you know, in addition to causing hemodynamic improvement to the testicles. So men do very well. Uh, you know, a certain cohort of men do very well. Now, let's talk about a couple of other things with sperm. If a man has a severe varicocele, I can't do anything for him. And, you know, in varicocelectomies for a severe varicocele, only 50% of them end up with good outcomes. So if a guy has a varicocelectomy as a result of a severe varicocele and there's no improvement after the surgery, still there's no place for acupuncture and herbs. You just have to do tessie or donor sperm. So, you know, there are situations where acupuncture and herbs can be very helpful. And there are other times when herbs and acupuncture are of no utility whatsoever. And I, I want to say something else here, which I think is very important. I, I know I'm speaking to, to health professionals, but, but they should hear this as well. What's very important about an acupuncturist is that the acupuncturist should know what they cannot treat. I'll give you an example very briefly. I see this on these chat boards and these, these sites for acupuncturists all the time. Oh, my patient has a six centimeter fibroid in the uterus. You know, can anybody make a suggestion as to what herbs would be good? And I answer, I just use one word, myomectomy. <laughs> you know, you're not going to shrink a fibroid uh, with, with herbs and acupuncture, number one. Number two, sometimes fibroids are silent and, and do not contribute to infertility. So leave the damn thing alone. But if it has to come out, you take it out with surgery. So there are many acupuncturists that will treat this woman to get rid of a fibroid. That's stupid, uneducated, and ridiculous. So it's very important that the practitioner knows what they can treat and knows what they can't treat. That's key. I would say that's a key for all medicine, but, but go ahead. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And so from the standpoint of male infertility, does you had talked about increasing blood flow to the testes. Does that, uh, have you seen evidence that that would increase fertility in men? hundred percent. Absolutely. I mean, when I say hundred percent, I don't mean hundred percent of the time, but I mean, hundred percent that it's effective. It's kind of like, we can talk about IVF. We can say, is IVF effective? Yeah. Yes, it's effective, though it's not effective 100% of the time. And I think acupuncture and herbs are effective, but not 100% of the time. But I've had many, many men that had sperm issues that were at least temporarily cured, because I don't know what happens later on, but I know that 
the wife got pregnant and the sperm was fine and everything was good. And who knows what happened to the sperm six months later. But acupuncture nerves can be very effective in improving sperm quality. Okay. Well, this has been fascinating. Thank you so much, Dr. Mike Berkeley. To get more information about Dr. Berkeley, you can go to the Berkeley Center website at berkeleycenter.com. To our audience, I'll see you again next week.